Hello, and welcome to Brahm's show. This is Brahm, and we are in the middle of the series, Why Christians Must Be Right, a book written, and in this case, read by Brahm French. Chapter 11, Same-Sex Marriage. Victory initially went to the conservatives on the issue of gay marriage. At first, gay activists and those who support them did not succeed, so they tried, and they tried again. When they could not get the populace to agree, they found another avenue, the courts. Actually, the courts are the weapons of choice for most of the battlefronts of this war on America. Is it a surprise when we hear that the Supreme Court justices are now telling other nations not to adopt constitutions similar to the United States Constitution? The extreme homosexual agenda has found a foothold in our courts. Even when the populace of a state speaks by vote and says they do not want homosexual marriages allowed in the state, the state courts have ruled that the state must recognize gay marriages. If our government abides by the First Amendment and separates itself from the church, gay marriage could be legalized by the states or the government could be silent on the issue without any consequence. In other words, gay marriage could be legal but no church that followed the Bible would perform such a marriage. However, I do have a slight problem with this approach due to the fact that there are more and more churches breaking from the scriptures by following the desires of men rather than the desires of God. However, this is not my greatest fear in regard to homosexual marriage. As a pastor and a citizen who has seen what the government is doing concerning the church, my greatest fear is the loss of the First Amendment rights that are secured by the Constitution. I can foresee a day when military chaplains will be forced to perform marriages for homosexual couples. I can see the day when pastors and churches will be sued for not providing these marriages. If the government was silent and churches followed biblical principles, gay marriage would not be an issue. However, our government has an agenda. Gay marriage is one of the issues the current administration not only supports, but promotes. In the book of Genesis, the Bible relays God's concern that it was not good that man should be alone. Adam named all the animals that the Lord brought before him. But for Adam, there was no help. So the Lord caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, and as he slept, the Lord took one of Adam's ribs out of and closed up Adam's flesh. Then the Lord took the rib and made a woman and introduced her to Adam. Adam called her woman because she was born of his bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Then the Bible says something interesting. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. As Christians, marriage was instituted by God between one man and one woman. Any deviation from this definition is an error whether it's gay marriage, bigamy, polygamy, or bestiality. I find it interesting that those on the left want homosexuals to get married in the first place, since marriage was instituted by God and established in His Word. But then again, the real reason for this item on the left's agenda is not for the union of gay couples to be recognized by God, but to pervert the things of God. This is another attack 
on our Judeo-Christian values and explains why heterosexuals are discouraged to marry, while homosexuals are trying to marry in droves. Please do not misunderstand. I do not suggest we put homosexuals to death as was the practice during the Old Testament times. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 13 says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death, their blood shall be upon them. However, neither do I suggest that as a society we be forced to recognize and even outwardly support any issue that God himself does not recognize or support. The New Testament is clear about both effeminacy and homosexuality. 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 6 verse 9 says, chapter 6 verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. It may not be popular in today's world, but nevertheless the Bible is extremely clear about those men who act like women and about homosexuality. Without being too graphic, abusers of themselves with mankind is a reference to a homosexual act. I recognize and appreciate that we do not live in a theocracy. Therefore, I'm not suggesting that we make homosexuality a crime. However, not making it a crime and sanctioning homosexual marriage are two entirely different things. When the government and some church organizations condone a behavior, the behavior will become more widespread. This explains why Christianity as a whole is less effective than in times past. At one point, Christianity spoke with one voice on the issue of homosexuality. Now America hears a conflicted, bipolar response from the church on this topic. Those churches that have strayed from Scripture chiefly regarding gay marriage, but also in regard to other issues, have caused harm to Christianity. But not only have they harmed the church, they have harmed America. They've even hurt the people who practice homosexuality. By condoning sin, we tell those bound by that sin that either there is no need for forgiveness or that their actions are not sinful. This means a person will have to live in that sin forever and will never be set free. Some churches do not preach the truth about sin because the leaders of the churches do not believe that sin is real. However, Proverbs says, Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. If the church in America is silent on sin, America will find itself a reproach. If we long for the, this great nation to be exalted, we need to be righteous and promote righteousness. The federal government should be involved in very few aspects of the lives of the citizens. The government's involvement should primarily involve defense, defense of the nation and defense of the Constitution, including the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. However, with, righteous, with rights come responsibilities. Though I have not yet mentioned the dual role of rights and responsibilities, it is of the utmost importance. You may have the right to pursue happiness, but you have the responsibility to pursue it yourself. In other words, if you have not found happiness, it's not the fault of society or the government. It's your own fault. Having said that, I fully recognize that government regulations can and do impede the pursuit of happiness. But happiness itself is not derived from the government. Happiness for the Christian comes from God. Psalm chapter 16 verse 11 says, 
Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Looking to the government for our happiness is a symptom of our lack of reliance on the Lord. If we need more joy, we need to get back into his presence. There is a war on God in America because the left derives its power from dependence on government. If Americans get back into the presence of God, we will realize there is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. With God's presence fully realized in America, there would be no need for the government to create happiness and the stranglehold of the left would be released. However, the left's power would also be reduced. Thus, the reason for the war with God in America. Outsourcing. I am amazed at the number of relevant current issues the Bible discusses. Even when the issues change with the times, the changeless word continues to address every circumstance which arises. God's word is timeless. His word was true the day he inspired men to write it and will remain true until the end of time. Whether our concern is groupthink, taxes, a strong military, or any other current topic, it is addressed by the Bible. When recessions come, so, so come the voices saying too many American jobs are exported to other countries. The answer seems always to be the same. Raise taxes. It's not called a tax increase. It's called a tariff. But don't be fooled by the name. Tariffs are not paid by the foreign companies. They are added to the price you pay when you buy the product. The same can be said about corporate taxes. When taxes are levied on a company, the company does not pay the tax. Ultimately, the consumer pays it. The left's dual desires to raise taxes on the rich and keep jobs in America are incompatible. If we want more jobs in this nation, we can have them overnight by lowering taxes. This seems obvious, but then again, we are not politicians. Something that is just common sense to the rest of us is rocket science to the typical politician, especially those on the left. Their answer to preventing, uh, preventing jobs from being outsourced is not to reduce the tax burden on American companies, which would in, in incur their continued viability while enticing foreign companies into America. No, that's too easy. Their solution is to increase regulation and raise taxes on businesses, punishing success and discouraging expansion. This was the same approach King Rehoboam took with Israel. It backfired and the nation was divided. Clearly, Rehoboam did not have the wisdom God gave his father, King Solomon. Solomon actually used outsourcing of labor to the benefit of the kingdom. 1 Kings chapter 5, verses 6 through 12 says, Now therefore command thou that they hew me cedar trees out of Lebanon, and my servants shall be with thy servants, and unto thee will I give hire for thy servants, according to all that thou shalt appoint. For thou knowest that there is not among us any that can skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians. And it came to pass when Haram heard the words of Solomon, that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, which hath given unto David a wise son over this great people. 
And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have considered the things which thou sentest to me, for, and I will do all thy desire concerning timber of cedar and concerning timber of fir. My fern shall bring them down from Lebanon unto the sea, and I will convey them by sea in floats into the place that thou shalt appoint me, and I will cause them to be discharged there. And thou shalt receive them, and thou shalt accomplish my desire in giving food for my household. So Hiram gave Solomon cedar trees and fir trees according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 measures of wheat for food for his household and 20 measures of pure oil. They gave Solomon to Hiram year by year. And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he promised. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. And they two made a league together. Solomon outsourced jobs to Lebanon. This not only benefited Solomon, but by giving him the product he greatly desired, but it benefited Lebanon by the purchase. And there was another unforeseen benefit of this arrangement. We see in verse 12 that there was a league between these two nations. Peace, a byproduct of outsourcing. If we provide jobs or services to others, the trade arrangement becomes a great motivator for us to understand the other party's needs and desires. Our concern becomes how we can best provide for them. Hence, outsourcing encourages peace and agreement. The real problem the left has with outsourcing jobs is that it promotes competition and capitalism. They claim outsourcing harms the American economy. If liberals had a plan on how the United States could become more competitive and how we could create more advantageous business environment in comparison to foreign countries, I would love to hear it. Furthermore, I would most likely be in favor of it. However, the main solution offered is more government intervention. Government intervention only interferes with American business practices by eliminate or by limiting competition and reducing effect efficiency, which in turn limits companies' abilities to deliver a better, cheaper product. To slow the growth of outsourcing, two main tactics have been considered by liberals. One, boycotting products made by American companies who outsource employment to foreign countries. And two, government interference in the private sector. Boycotting products, through though impractical due to the number of people it takes to significantly impact large corporations, is at least a way people can express themselves as private citizens through their own pocketbooks. Government interference is the most feasible avenue, but the disadvantages far outweigh the presumed benefits. One avenue the government has taken is to increase the length of time unemployment benefits are paid. Unfortunately, there is no such thing as free money. Someone has to pay for the benefits given to the people who are not producing. Either more money must be printed which eventually leads to inflation, or taxes must be raised. In an inflationary climate, every dollar will buy less because every dollar is worth less. In a highly taxed economy, there are fewer dollars circulating in the private sector. So there are fewer dollars available for consumers to spend to stimulate economic growth. Neither option is very appealing. Inflated prices as well as decreased private sector wealth results in worsening employment prospects. The marketplace just does not have the revenues needed to employ the unemployed. 
Therefore, government intervention only serves to slow the growth of the economy and impede the production of new employment opportunities. Thomas Paine in 1776 wrote about his anxiety when he penned, Government, even in its best state, is but a necessary evil, in its worst state, an intolerable one. The Founding Fathers understood the danger of government interference in the private sector when they wrote, No state shall without the consent of Congress lay any imposts or duties on imports or exports except that may be absolutely necessary for executing its inspection laws and the net produce of all duties and import laid by any state or import and export shall be for the use of the treasury of the United States and all such laws shall be subject to the revision of the control of Congress. In other words, one of the one of the states cannot access a tax on goods brought in from another state, nor can they prohibit the exportation of jobs to another state. A term commonly used for this is a free market or capitalistic society. Free trade between states has elevated America to the pinnacle of financial success in the world. It's not a far stretch to go from an interstate free market to an international free market. An interstate free market with limited government interference has had a tremendous impact on the American economy. Using this principle in the international arena would have a beneficial effect on both the American and foreign economies. Profit is the primary reason that companies exist. For a company to make a profit, it must reach a balance between providing quality products and services and managing their expenses. America's wealth and standing in the world are due in part to the ability of the people to compete for profit and the limitations placed on the government to interfere with this process. The Founding Fathers foresaw a day when the government would intrude into the affairs of its own citizens. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage other re others retained by the people. Congress, 1789, Amendment 9. This is to say that the specific rights listed in the Constitution cannot be interpreted to imply that we, the people, have no other rights than those listed. Therefore, citizens have rights not addressed by the Constitution. The rights guaranteed to citizens, though not completely extendable to businesses, do somewhat encompass them because businesses are owned and run by people. When government interferes with a business, it interferes with people. When government interferes with a people, it interferes with you and me. This is yet another reason to maintain the limits placed on government by the Constitution. Retaining and enforcing constitutional limits on the government will create economic prosperity. The growth of the businesses which can outsource employment without government interference translates into quality products available at a cheaper price and results in an increased number of jobs in America. However, the true solution to increasing the number of American jobs which are outsourced to foreign countries is to reduce regulations on businesses and to lower the taxes that they are forced to pay.